Hello and welcome to Learning from Leaders. Each episode, we interview a new leader for a behind-the-scenes look at what makes them tick. In each interview, we aim to understand the routines, habits, and even the failures that got them into the position they're in today. So wherever you are in your leadership journey, we hope you enjoy. Without further ado, this is Learning from Leaders. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Learning from Leaders. Today, I am lucky enough to be with Jennifer Hancock, who is the CEO of Volunteers of America. Thanks for being here, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about this. Awesome, awesome. Well, so the first question I always like to start out with, and um, you can kind of define this however you want to define this, but how long have you been in a leadership position? I've been in a leadership position since I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. I started taking on leadership roles uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. I went through a program called A Christian Through Service, which is the ACTS program at Assumption High School. And it gave me an opportunity to lead others um, in an after-school tutoring program. So that was my first exposure to what it meant to lead others. Awesome. And um, more importantly, it was also my first exposure to appreciating some of the social issues um, that were playing out in our community. And it led me to pursue my career in social work. Awesome. So that um, was a really pivotal time for me in my life and set me on a path to um, be where I'm at today. Awesome. Yeah. Great. The next question that I like to ask is just kind of about uh, how you start your day and feel free to get as in the weeds as you want. I think it's just super interesting how people kind of get going and get get their their day happening so how do you start your day what's that routine look like well I'm so curious to hear how many people answer honestly and say they do look (laughs) at their mobile device before they get out of bed I hope people are willing to confess that as I am today but I always look at that thing um, before I get out of bed Mm -hmm. it's the thing that wakes me up so it's the thing that I grab and look at And so I usually spend a few moments just catching up on what's been going on overnight because I work for an organization that never sleeps. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like to start my day by knowing what's been going on and then have one last look at my schedule and then I'm off and running. It's kind of this fast and furious, get myself dressed, get my daughter dressed and ready to school and out the door ready to go and I typically make phone calls as soon as I get in the car and get my seatbelt on (laughs) and start my day and then uh, don't slow down until I pull back into the driveway later later that evening. Okay what about uh, like immediately upon arrival in the office? Um, You know every single day is completely different there are many days I don't start my day in the office. Mm. Um, I'm starting this morning I started at one of our program locations Um, Actually, it's very rare that I'm at my desk and in our office because I tend to spend most of my um, mornings either having coffee with a donor or um, another constituent or visiting a program or doing a tour. This morning I was doing a tour with a group of donors at one of our programs. So I spend a lot of my time out and about. So yeah, so my mornings really are not from a scheduling standpoint very different than my afternoons. They're just full of fun and exciting things, you know? (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, cool. If we were just looking at the past five years, what kinds of uh, beliefs, behaviors, habits have you kind of picked up over the past five years that you feel like have had the most positive impact Mm. in your life? I I love that question so much because that covers a lot of territory (laughs) and it really does make me think about what's been most meaningful to me in terms of learning about leading and 
practices that are important to me. One of the things that I've learned, I'd say, since I came into this role, which it's been about three and a half years since I became the CEO here, is how important it is for people to feel that they have access to me and can talk to me directly. I think that creating a culture here that is highly collaborative begins with me sending a message directly and indirectly every single day that I'm in this with everybody else and there's no role that is more important than another here, that every role is absolutely critical. And so um, I established a habit of every single quarter, I have a virtual town hall meeting. Because we are um, geographically so separated from each other in this organization, we cover five states. And so I don't have the luxury of walking down the hall and seeing my colleagues in Memphis today or in Nashville or in Knoxville. So we have this virtual town hall meeting that happens every single quarter where I allow people to send me questions in advance anonymously. They can ask as hard a question as they want, um, as specific a question as they want. And then I will read those questions live in front of the audience and then give some updates and then I'll take their other questions um, during the call and it's been a wonderful way for us to come together as an organization for people to feel like they can hear the message directly they can ask the question directly and I think it's really instilled um, a lot of trust in our organization a transparency and uh, mutual respect that's been really important to me so that's one of the practices that um, over the past few years I think have been has been really impactful and helpful awesome. and along with that there's one more and that is I um, we have this great program called a day in the life mm. and it's an opportunity for um, our frontline staff to shadow a member of our senior team or um, our senior team to shadow um, someone in a, in a different role and so at least um, once every couple of months I have an opportunity to um, spend a day in the life of a case manager mm. or an outreach worker or they have an opportunity to shadow me and it's been absolutely phenomenal for me to get to um, experience this authentic um, picture of what someone's day is like and what their challenges are and what their um, inspirations are about being a part of this work sometimes I admit that even though I'm a career social worker and that's something I'm very proud of I have these strong roots in this work that I don't get to spend every day hearing and feeling the direct challenges that some of our staff have when they're working with the people we serve. So that has been wonderful too. Um, another practice that has allowed me to stay very connected to the front line. Yeah, that's those are so those are such cool things. I think that's so critical to have that kind of pulse of what's happening and yeah. and, and, and for people to feel like you're accessible. That's such a big deal. I love that. What about our in Maybe maybe I'm this is a leading question, but is there anything like would you say like in your personal life? That's just kind of because you know, I think I think that's an important piece in like anybody trying to build kind of their leadership tool toolkit is sort of What I do at work and then like what I do when I'm not at work that kind of helps prepare me for mm. For the challenges that I'll face everything. Do you have anything in the in that realm? Sure. Yeah, you know, I um, believe strongly in the art and skill of compartmentalizing mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. and that's hard for a job that is um, 24 7 and really requires me to be on demand when something's happening and yet I know that we have such a strong team here that it's 
perfectly acceptable for me to go away on vacation like I was last week and to feel um, like I don't have to be tethered to a device and tethered to the organization and really get to be fully present to my family and to that experience of being on vacation and not have all of these haunting, nagging thoughts about all the things waiting for me when I get back here. So I am a great um, compartmentalizer. Great. And I do that not just when I'm on vacation. I do that. I've, I established a practice in January of this year. Mm -hmm. I came back to work with this wonderful New Year's resolution where I leave work at 4 o'clock at least two days a week. And I go two blocks down the road to the downtown Y. And when I leave here, I've got my ponytail and my gym shorts on and my tennis shoes, and I'm ready to work out, and it is fantastic. Mm. So I believe so strongly in mm. uh, being a part of um, an organization where I'm walking the walk, and we talk a whole lot here about self-care and wellness and personal practices around wellness. And I love to work, and my colleagues know that about me, that I love, love work, and I love especially this work. Volunteers of America is so extraordinary, and so I like to spend a lot of time and energy here, and yet I know I will never be a good spouse and family member and leader mm -hmm. if I'm not equally dedicating myself to myself. So sure. I um, have made that an intentional practice. Sure. So definitely I believe in working hard but playing hard and um, taking care of myself sure. and modeling that. Yeah. So for, and I totally agree, I mean I think that compartmentalization is so critical, right? In order for you to have energy and enthusiasm to bring back the people yes. that you work with. For those who struggle with that, for those mm -hmm. who are not great about that, like mm -hmm. maybe that they're their it, it you know their personal life and their professional life it just goes it's just one big thing mm -hmm. what would you say to them how how are some ways that they can kind of insulate themselves or to or to maybe what would maybe be some good first steps that mm -hmm. they could take if they were trying to reach a more balanced kind of sure uh, great like great that. question and I admit I've I have not always been as good as I am today mm -hmm. I've had to learn a lot about this mm -hmm. Because I, um, for a long time, would take work home, both literally and figuratively in my mind. And one of the most effective ways for me to stop doing that has been to um, utilize my drive home. Mm -hmm. And there are times where my thoughts are so noisy that I will literally turn the radio off and I will be in complete silence and I will just sort through all of the background noise that's been in my head um, or especially if something's really kind of has my attention and I haven't quite worked out how I'm going to solve this problem or it's kind of a, a pressure point for me, I will take the time, no matter how long it takes between my, my, the time I leave work to the time I roll into my driveway, and I will process through that and then make a commitment as I turn off the car and get out of my car that I'm going to leave it in the car and I'll pick it back up in the morning. And that's a mindfulness practice that is, it's a ritual, it's a, it's a practice that has really been quite helpful to me. Um, I just know that I'm going to pick it back up in the car, I'll trust that I can leave it safely there, and it's um, a ritual that allows me to transition so that I can be present for my family. Um, now that's not to say that I'm always perfect at that, perhaps at times I might, you know, 
kind of find myself drifting back to that. But the practice is I just remind myself, oh, I, I don't know how that got out of the car. I'm going to put it back in the car <laughs> and I'm going to leave it in the car yeah. and then I'll pick it back up on my way in in the morning. Mm-hmm. So just that drive time is really helpful. And then the other piece I think is having a, a mentor. I have a strong opinion about mentoring, um, both being the recipient of a lot of mentoring and giving mentoring that that relationship is really so critical to life, a healthy life and a healthy career. And so finding a good mentor who can support um, creating those boundaries and uh, coach around that and, and I think that's important too. So I think having someone that is a safe, trusted confidant to turn to um, who can help us establish some of those boundaries is also really important. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so that leads me into another question that I'm always interested in. So it's a really common theme on this podcast to talk about mentors and mentorship. Mm -hmm. And I'm always interested on kind of people's own angle on how they found the right mentor. Because I think, you know, sometimes you can find a mentor or somebody who's willing to, but finding one that's really valuable mm-hmm. is such a you know important thing. So do you have any tips or, or maybe you could talk about your own journey to finding maybe who that is now or who that has been in the past? Like sure. what are those mentors that, you know? Yes, absolutely. I think that's such a great question because um, for me, I've had many different mentors based on the chapter. Mm. And the chapter for me today is still, it's a three and a half year chapter. This one may end. I don't know when it will end, when I won't feel like I'm new to this job anymore. But um, I have a, a mentor who is ideally suited for helping me orient to this role, be in this um, just incredible position that calls a lot for me and um, that has a lot of, in, in this person's case, he has a background in HR mm-hmm. and executive leadership. And so he has been extremely helpful because I have needed um, to have someone who can help me think through that lens because that does not come natural to me. That's not the skill set I have, that's not my orientation. Um, but he has really helped me develop some disciplines around thinking through the lens of an HR professional, which has been great um, for me to learn um, that aspect through his support. But in general, I would say, that's just an example of my present day, in general, I've always approached looking for a mentor from the perspective of what do I need to learn and what are the soft spots that I really need some support around and who do I know that excels and is exceptional because that's what I want. That's Mm -hmm. that's who I want to be like. Mm -hmm. And so I've always looked for someone that I look up to, that I idolize a bit, that I have a lot of respect for and that Mm -hmm. has something that I don't yet have. and I've always been willing to make the ask, even if it's someone I don't know well. My current mentor, I did not know well at all. I knew him by reputation, um, but I did not know him personally well at all. And so it was a big deal to ask him to mentor me um, when we didn't have an existing strong relationship or barely one at all. Yeah. So the so if we're starting from that point, just from cold ask almost mm-hmm. I mean is the name of the game flattery I mean what's how does somebody get you know how does somebody <laughs> right. like you know how, how do they I mean I, I know so 
obviously in your position, it's, you know, you're, you're a part of a really important organization. And so it's probably appealing for a mentor to say, yeah, I would love to invest in this person. But, you know, what's, what's the, what's the inroad? Is there, is there a, a trick? Or I don't a, I mean, think there's a magic okay. bullet here or a trick even. I honestly think that people appreciate um, being asked. Uh, honestly, I think my philosophy is I think people appreciate being asked to do just about anything. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very comfortable fundraiser, and so maybe that's just the story I tell myself <laughs> to get me to ask people for money a lot. But I think that no one um, that I've ever known has been offended by the ask. They may say no, but they're, I've just never met anybody offended by that. And so I think to lead with a lot of sincerity and humility, like, hey, you've got something I want. Would you be willing to invest in me and pay forward? Obviously, somebody helped that person. So framing it, I think, in just the most sincere, humble way, um, I think people just appreciate the request and if they can do it they'll do it and if they can't they'll say that and that's okay too awesome move on to the next one yeah awesome well thank you for that sure um okay well so the next question i usually like to ask is so and i ask it this way on purpose because maybe this isn't your favorite book but what is the book that you've given as a gift the most okay so um the book that i've given the the most is a book called Traction by mm -hmm. Gino Wickman. Okay. And um, I'm getting ready to start distributing the next most, um, or the next, what is the question? <laughs> the next, the question <laughs> that, that I give, give the, the most. most. Okay, yeah. I was trying to say distribute and that didn't make sense. Sure. Um, so the gift, I'll rewind that a little bit. <laughs> um, so the gift that I have given the most is a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. And um, soon that will be closely followed by another book that I'm about to um, give away to my colleagues called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, so I have really appreciated both of those books. Traction is a transformational book. So my colleagues and I have been reading it for the past 10 months and we have a book club that we've been doing um, with this book and um, we are integrating the concepts into our organization. So it's basically an operating, an entrepreneurial operating system for your business or organization. And it has absolutely changed the way we have team meetings. It has changed the way that we hold ourselves accountable. Um, it has changed the way we talk about our roles and the work that we do and it has helped us have better clarity around what are the real priorities. So it is pretty high impact and that's why it's taking us so long to get through <laughs> it. We actually thought we'd be finished by now but I think it's going to take us a whole year to get through the okay. whole book and then we're not going to be finished at the end of the year. We'll push it forward into 2019 and we'll continue to review the concepts and integrate the concepts and deepen that understanding throughout the organization. And so then the next book is going to be the Dale Carnegie book because that's all about customer service and um, and really at, at its heart it's about selling and I think that as leaders we're all responsible for selling. We're responsible for selling the mission. We're responsible for selling the values and the um, philosophies within the organization to our colleagues, to our donors, to our clients. 
And so I think that book is going to be really helpful to get us aligned on what are some of the most effective ways to sell something mm -hmm. and how to get people bought in and on board. So I look forward to sharing that book soon. Okay, um, so the next question that I like to ask, you know, I, I assume that you're like the rest of us and there's moments where you're feeling unfocused or overwhelmed. So what do you do in those moments? How do you kind of bring it back? How do you bring that focus back or help with those feelings of, of being overwhelmed? I um, need a physical outlet to deal with that, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, I have a tendency to overthink things and that is not always helpful when I'm dealing with something that's overwhelming or when I feel that I can't get focus and so um, that's when I'm putting on my my sneakers and heading down the street to the Y typically I have that as a scheduled ritual but I also just give myself permission to get up and get going and just give myself a break mm. um, so for me it's a typically a physical outlet that I need some kind of physical stimulation, a little cardio to kind of vent it out a little bit or to get clarity. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I can pick it up and keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about, how does that play out? Well, you said a little bit, but how does that play out? So if it's a moment where you're just stuck, let's say like maybe I'm I'm sitting in the middle of a meeting or something like that and I'm just like, oh boy, it's, okay. it's here, it's on. I can't, I can't. I don't know Dial what to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So certainly there are times when I'm like, okay, I haven't been to this movie before. I don't know exactly how to proceed in this mm. situation. It's funny that you asked this because literally the hour before there was a situation we were hosting um, a donor experience and something was being discussed and I wasn't quite sure how to handle it. And instead of feeling like I had to handle it, I sat back and it handled itself so beautifully. So that's one thing. The other thing is, so maybe lesson one is to not feel compelled that I have to fix everything or, or rescue or jump in. I can just kind of sit back and wait and see. Mm -hmm. The second thing is um, sometimes when I don't know what to do, I say, I don't know how we should move forward. Does anybody know how we should move forward and ask for help? I am really okay not having all the answers. Um, I have a lot of humility and recognize that I still have a lot to learn. And so sometimes I just need to ask in the moment, does anybody have a suggestion for how we should move forward from here? And I think that can be empowering for people around me. It also can be really honest and sincere and that certainly builds credibility as a leader when you just you're very authentic and you just put it out there instead of pretending like I have to know right. it takes a lot of pressure off me too I don't have to have all these answers right yeah. so yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah and I think just coming from that really genuine place is such, yes. a, such a critical thing that people skip sometimes. you can never go wrong just right. being real right, right. <laughs> yeah. I agree I agree that's awesome um, okay what about <clears throat> and I asked this this way of purpose as well what would you describe as your favorite failure? This one um, is my favorite because I don't think I'll forget it because I still use it. Um, and it's been almost four years now and I'm still thinking about it um, when I'm coming up to the line where I might cross again. And it has to do with um, a situation where we had some colleagues here in a particular department who were very upset with management. And um, 
in my view at the time, they were upset for reasons that were not based on facts, were based on perception. And so I attempted to respond um, believing that the facts would set us all free. And in doing so, unfortunately, I escalated that conflict because they really weren't interested. I now understand this perfectly in the rearview mirror. It tells me very clearly that they didn't want to be met with a bunch of facts because they only heard that as a defensive posture. They just wanted to be heard for their perception of what they understood or what they were hearing and seeing. And they wanted that to be validated. And so that mistake and the way that I approached that situation was very costly. And um, that we had um, that program ended up closing and many of those employees left and they unfortunately left on terms that um, are not typical. Usually when people leave here, they leave here to go on and do other things and they feel very fondly of the organization and I maintain a great relationship with them. And this example is um, the outlier because they left on unfavorable terms and probably have a negative opinion. I don't know if they still do, but they, they did when they left and I hated that. And I realized that I missed an opportunity to really meet them where they were. And, and instead of maintaining my position of, you, you don't even have accurate information, you just need to listen to the facts and then this will all be okay. I wasn't very attentive to how they were feeling and their experience of things. Mm -hmm. And so that has stayed with me and I have regretted since then how I handled that. Um, it's, I don't feel good about the way that, um, that they left the organization and the impression that I gave them that I really wasn't interested in really hearing from them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's such a big, I mean, I think some people could have that same experience and not even learn that lesson necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really great that you um, can, I guess, provide that perspective after the fact. Um, okay. What about, so you have a finite amount of time, just like all of us, right? So how do you prioritize? What, how does that, what does that look like for you? How do you decide what, what are the things? Well, I have a ritual every Sunday night. I plan out the calendar with my uh partner for the next two weeks mm. and so we sit down and we look at everything that's ahead of us and so it is a very intentional it's not it's by design I should say it's not like oh an accident that I wake up and do whatever I do so we plot out the events we're going to go to the dinners we're going to have the concerts we're going to experience the whatever we're going to do so it's both personally and professionally my schedule is um is very intentionally designed. And so I always build a lot of social and family and fun in there. Um, and then I build the work stuff in there. I don't know that that's answering your question though, because no, I'm not so. sure that I'm- No, I think okay. so. I think, yeah, I think you're kind of just speaking to that intentionality of, so, you know, you have to have some sort of practice like that where you sit down and you you go all right this is all this i got is it. so where and then be and then being committed to doing what you 
said you were gonna do like I live by now my calendar my calendar tells me where where to go and what to do and when to do it by and so that's true too for my personal life mm -hmm. um, everything is on a calendar mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay um, what about could you reflect back so on yourself at the beginning of your leadership journey and I guess uh, in our terms we were talking about the, the leadership program that you did yeah um, but yeah if you were looking if you were gonna talk to yourself at that point like what what would you tell that version of you what would you what do you wish that you'd known then right at the beginning of your leadership journey and, and you can define it as that program or you could define it your yeah. first leadership and work sure, however sure. you want to sure sure yeah you know I think um to give myself more permission to fail um and and just know that that's a part of the journey and that if I'm not doing that then I'm not doing something right at all um that I'm probably playing it too safe I'm probably being too reserved or too guarded so just to give myself a whole lot of permission that failure is a part of this as hard as it is for those of us who are a little type a and a little uptight about that sort of thing um that perfectionism is really the enemy of so many things um including living a well-balanced life and so getting more comfortable with that early on i think would have saved me a lot of stress and self-doubt and worry about Am I going to be okay doing this? This is really hard, and it is hard. So just recognizing that mistakes are a part of it. Absolutely. I just try to Absolutely. make different mistakes now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Last question I would have would just be, so in, in a perfect world, this would be like something kind of short, at least. So we pretend that people forgot everything else that we talked about. What is one thing that a leader should never forget? People are always watching. Even when I don't think people are watching, how I respond to a question, how I show up in the office, how I walk into a room, people are always watching the leader. And that is something that I never think, never stop thinking about. And I think we should all consider that people are always watching. And that means I have a tremendous responsibility um, to the people that I get to work with, that to the people that I get to serve, um, to be the very best I can be in every single moment. Doesn't mean I can't make the mistakes and I can't um, sometimes be less than on my A game. I certainly can, but um, I have to con continue to remind myself that I, I have a spotlight on me and that that comes with this territory and I have to honor and respect that and that just reminds me to be humble and to be authentic and, um, and those are great things to be so it's all it's all okay awesome well thank you so much for your time I so appreciate it I appreciate your willingness to open up and and, and be real and and uh, thank you so much you're welcome thank you so much this was a lot of fun Thanks again to our special guest. This has been Learning from Leaders.